Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. Talked to you a little bit about this last week, uh, but I'll be announcing this for the next three weekends. I just want, want you to get it, uh, help us to, to share it. Uh, but we are going to be returning to two services on Sunday, October 3rd. And um, we will have full children's ministry at both. And because um, I know that's a big question for our, our families. And so the answer is yes, we'll continue to provide um, online at the 11 o'clock. Um, but we are changing the time of the first service from 9 to 9.30, okay? We're doing that for the sake of volunteerism. We're giving our families that have to be here really early uh, 30 more, more minutes. So our new service times will be 9.30 and 11 o'clock. I told people last week, we're very informal with this. Uh, so if we get into it, it doesn't work the way we want to work. We can always move them, okay? But the heart behind it is our volunteers. So 9.30, 11 o'clock, starting October 3rd. Okay, it's about three weeks away. I love that we're talking about October because that means cooler weather. Okay, so thank God for that. I want to uh, talk today about uh, an old story. As a matter of fact, it's so old, I'm not even going to read it to you because you already know it. Okay, you've, you've grown up with it. Uh, you've heard it preached many, many times. But I am going to give you um, a little bit of backstory and talk about a guy named Daniel. Okay, so the story here is that the people of God have been in captivity. Uh, they ended up staying in captivity for about 400 years, and uh, they were overtaken by the Babylonians. And in the course of that, some of them found favor and some of them didn't. And we tend to get stories from those that were lifted up and were put in positions. Um, you've got the Hebrew boys uh, that Nebuchadnezzar um, was responsible for throwing them into a fiery furnace, okay, uh, for not bowing down and, and worshiping. Then you've got Belshazzar, uh, who came after him, and he's the one that experienced the handwriting on the wall at one of his parties uh, the hand of God shows up, begins to write, and then a couple of kings later, you had Darius, and Darius is the one who put together this den of lions, okay? And in his rule, you have this guy named Daniel, and Daniel is um, committed. Daniel is a follower. He loves God. He's going to pray to God. Um, he's going to spend his time with God. And you have to keep in mind that this was an era of time when killing people was also a point of entertainment. That's why the creativity of fiery furnaces, uh, dens of lions, it was a spectacle. It was also a public showing. It was, look at what we'll do to you if you don't uh, obey or follow the rules and guidelines, etc., but he ends up being thrown into this den of lions, and you guys know the whole story. He's there, and nothing happens to him, and 
The next day, Darius gets up and he, he runs down to this den of lions and he's quoted as saying this. He says, don't be afraid, friend. Peace. Everything is going to be all right. Take courage, he says to him. This word courage kind of sticks out to me um, because I think it fits all of our lives in some way. We're having to be courageous about something on some front. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, comes the same word, courage. He says, haven't I commanded you, take strength, take courage, don't be timid, don't be discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step you take. And then in Isaiah chapter 35, he says, Tell fearful souls, courage, take heart. God is here, right here, on his way to put things right, to redress all wrongs. He's on his way. He'll save you. So today, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to focus on Daniel being heroic. But rather, I want to focus on the fact that everyone in here Every single person has a lion's den. And if you haven't had one, you will. You'll be in a place that was unfair. Something you didn't ask for has happened to you. Somehow your plan and reality are not lining up. And it'll feel like a den of lions to you. You will feel isolated overwhelmed, troubled, all kinds of emotional roller coaster. You will fight it. You will worry. You may wring your hands. You may lose weight. You're going to be stricken with silence and question marks and not knowing a, a very distinct and clear way out. It will be a den of lions for you. It may be in a point of sorrow and grief. It may be the fact that someone leaves you undeservedly. You may lose a job that you thought you would have the rest of your life. And it becomes a den of lions for you. It's a den of discomfort. A den of disappointment. A den of depression. And no matter where you look around you, it's going to feel like you're going to be devoured by things that are clearly out of your control. But what you do when you are in your den of lions matters. What you do when you are outnumbered and outmatched and outraged matters. It is directly linked to your faith and equally linked to your reality. Now, if I were going to talk this out about reality for just a moment, I want you to imagine just a straight line, okay? And this straight line rep represents what's really happening in our lives. It's, it's just there. It's predictable. When the sun comes up, it's going to be there. This is our life. But then there's another line that comes off of it that, that makes like a 45-degree angle upward, and this is where our dreams are. 
This is where our, our expectations are. We want to do this. We want to be that. We want life to look like this. Even though it's this, we want it to be this. And in between those two lines is where all the room for disappointment is able to set in. Between our expectations and our reality is a gap. A gap where our, our disappointments live where depression can set in, where we get unsettled, especially if you're a driven personality. You, you are all about checking things off and getting things done and, and making sure tasks are handled and making sure at the end of every season of your life you're able to say, at least I did this, this, and this. But in that gap, our disappointments live. And it's hard on us. It's in that gap that our, our den of lions await. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, there's a very strong verse that we could actually do a series about for a, a, a long bit of time. But this verse says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when you break this down and you study it out, it really means this, that Whatever we start thinking about, whatever we get, give mental real estate to, somehow gets into our reality and can become fleshed out. So is he. As a man thinks, in his heart, meaning in, in, in the deepest part of you, in the core of you, when you get a thought in there, it becomes real to you. And you will start to live life from a thought, whether it's right or wrong, it will produce a level of reality for you. I don't know if you've ever said anything dumb to yourself before. And I don't know if you've ever said anything dumb to yourself before and then believed it. Um, but it's possible. It's probable. It's actually routine in our humanity for us to say all kinds of things to ourselves. And somehow between saying it and believing it, we live it out. We say things that are really hurtful like, I'll never accomplish that. And when you believe it, it fleshes out. So is he. When you let that thought get in you, it can become something that you begin to create your own den of lions. You create moments of fear. You, you create something in your life that can devour all of your potential and all of your dreams and all the things that you want to accomplish. It's coming from your own thought life and sometimes you don't even know it. But when you think it in your heart, so is he. We say things like, I'll never accomplish that. I'll never get promoted. I'll never graduate. I'll never get over this. I'll never get married. I'll never be respected. I'll never be better than my parents. The truth is, you have a right to believe whatever you want, but not everything you believe is right. You can believe anything. That's your gift. That's your free will. Do you know that you have a gift of faith and you can actually put it in whatever you want? You don't have to put it in God. But you have a gift of faith. The Bible says to every man has been given the measure. You have faith. 
Where will you put it is the bigger question. You have an option to put it anywhere. Some people put it in governments. Some people put it in, in, in intellect. Uh, some people put it in, in, in themselves. But you have the ability to put faith wherever you choose to put it. And the lion dens of our lives bring us to an impasse. Because we've got decisions to make if you are in a lion's den this morning. You've got a choice. You've got, you've got to come to, to a, a meeting with yourself. For most of us, when we think of our ability to have courage, the image of a rickety bridge appears in our mind, right? We think, courage, i got to step out and do something beyond my comfort zone. And suddenly you get this image of, you know, a couple of lines across a canyon and another rope below that's got a couple of boards on it. And you're going, I, you know, very Indiana Jones-like. And you think, i got to get across that? that that's what i got to do to have courage? You don't see courage in your life as a super highway. Something that's very concrete and feels great under your feet. It, it, it feels shifty, shaky. So today I want to give you three faces of courage and what to do with them. And if you're in your lion's den today, these are going to be filters for you to help you decide what do I do right now in this moment, in this den of depression of debacle, of degradation, all of these things that are in my life right now, how can I process them and get out? The first filter is this. Sometimes you have to have the courage to stay when it would be easier for you to go. You've got to have staying power. You've got to have the ability to go, this is not a good time. It's not a good season, it's not a good moment, but I'm not a runner. So I'm going to stay. Now you need to lay this over whatever grid that you're living out this morning. For some of you, that might be a relationship. For some of you, it might be a career path. For some of you, it might be that you're having to do some personal discipline in your life that would be so much easier on you if you just ran away from it. But there is something to be said about staying the course. This is a spiritual discipline that I'm going to keep on believing and keep on trusting and keep on doing what I know to do and I will not run off from this. I always love the story in the Gospels about uh, the disciples are on the water and a storm comes. I use this all the time with you so you know where I'm going with this, but I just love the way the author pins it. A storm comes up on the sea and the Bible says that, that, that the men were toiling in their rowing is what the King James uses. It sounds very British to say toiling. I don't know why, but... They were toiling and they were rowing. <laughs> That's how I read that. What I take from that, what I walk away with toiling and their rowing is this. These were men of the sea. They were fishermen. And they were doing 
what fishermen do when they're in trouble on the water. They row. It didn't say they abandoned ship. It didn't say they started swimming. It didn't say they started writing letters to their spouses. It said they started toiling in their rowing. They were working this boat. They were working this storm. They were staying the course. They were doing what fishermen do when they're in a storm. You row. And that always sticks out, out to me of going, do what it is that you know you should do in that moment. Do what a spouse does when there's a storm. Do what a dad does when there's a storm. Do what a provider of the home does when there's a storm. Keep rowing. Keep doing it. Keep believing. Get out of your own way. Get out of your own head. And do what's already in you. Many times you don't need an answer. You don't need counsel. You don't need somebody to come along and inspire you. It's already in you. The problem is doing it. Keep on doing it. you got to have the courage to stay when it's easier to go. If I can use a biblical example for this, it, it would be this. When you think about Mary, the mother of Jesus, think about her ability to stay when it would have been easier to run off. She stayed in the community she was in, having to tell people an insane story. Now, we, we know the end, so we get it, and we don't oftentimes bear the weight with her of what was transpiring there. But I imagine it, it wasn't the best scenario for her to tell everyone she was going to have the Son of God. But she stayed. Would have been easier to go. Would have been easier to run off. Would have been easier to hide. Would have been easier to leave everybody behind and just say, I'm gone for the next year of my life. I'll see you some other time. I, I can't take it. Uh, it's, it's too much to bear. But she stayed. Think about Jesus at Gethsemane. When he reached this place, when we see his humanity in full display, when he says, Lord, if there's any other way, then let this cup pass from me. If there's a way, if this can be accomplished, if we can love these people in some other way, if there can be, if there can be a sacrifice in some other form. But he stayed. And he endured the cross for us. Now, in practicality, the truth is it's our human nature to run. It's our human nature to have fight or flight. And a lot of times we choose flight. Don't like it, doesn't feel good, I'm going to run. Scripture's chock full of running. I got to get out of here. I can't take it. And I'm talking about in the context of which we're talking about, people saying, I'm too scared. I do not have courage. There's no way this is going to work out. I have got to run. I've got to get out. I have got to survive another day. Therefore, I'm choosing to run. We are, by nature, runners. It takes some grit to stay. It takes some grit to endure. A root system is the most important part of anything that is growing, and RVs do not have roots. 
if, if your life, if you see a cycle in your life where you are more of an RV than have a root system, it's time to make some adjustments. You need to bloom where you were planted. If the storms come, you will survive it. Like a tree planted by the water, you will not be moved. You may sway, you may bend, you may lose some leaves, but in the end, you will stand. So how does that apply to your den today? Do you need to stay when you're thinking about going? The second thing is the exact opposite. The courage to go when it's easy to stay. You look at people like Abraham. You look at a Moses who had a nice, settled in life, had dealt with their demons, had fought their whole life to Abraham did to gain to gain wealth, to set his family up. Suddenly, in the middle of his life, drops this enormous dream of God. Moses had it made. Family, little hillside, farm, far from Egypt. And all of a sudden, the call of God sets on his life. This point about the courage to go when it's easier to stay is all about your comfort level. When you look at Lot and his wife, and you look how God went to them and said, you got to get out of here. Like these cities are no good for you. You are, the, you are the one person that I've got to fulfill this promise that I made. And your family's coming up, but there's, there's one rule like, Leave and don't look back. We all know how this story unfolds, and whether you believe it's literal or you believe it's it's a, a story told to that, that was poetic, I, I don't really care. The point is this: there are lessons in looking back. There are lessons in our lives about how God has removed us from something, said get out of there, said to go. I've got a different plan. I've got a different place. You have been comfortable for way too long. You've got to go. You've got to enlarge your territory. You've got to expand these tent, these tent stakes. You've you got to do all these things because i got something for your life. And said, but God, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. And again, this is very, very common when it comes to our comfort because we're fighting for that, right? Like you work 30 plus years at some place so that in the end you could say, I've got a little bit of money put aside so that right now I can just be comfortable. I can do what I want. I don't have to answer to anybody anymore. And it's going to be my beautiful retirement, comfort. It's in all of us. I want to... I want to fight for that one piece, that one section of my life where I can be comfortable. But sometimes you got to go instead of staying. Even the children of Israel, with all of the freedom that they had been given, with all of the miracles that they saw in the desert, when they got to Sinai, there was something about that place. They were tired of traveling. They were over it. They were done with the scenery. And they said, listen, let's just stay. 
Let's just camp out. Let's just, let's just hang out right here. But there are lessons in going backward. Let me throw out some really quick thoughts on this point for just, just a second. If I were to give you a few lessons in looking back, it would be this. We have to learn from the past, but don't live there. There's, there's a difference. There's a difference in learning and, and living. You can learn from it all day long, but don't build a house there. When Lot's wife turned around and became a pillar of salt, I think she thought about what she was giving up, not what she was leaving behind. And sometimes we get stuck there. We get stuck making a list of what we're going to lose if we go, rather than what we're gaining by being free from it. If, if I go, I'm losing this and this and this and this. If, if I step out on this, there's so much risk. There's so much involved here. If, if I decide to do this, and you're not thinking about what God is protecting you from, getting you away from. Another lesson of not looking back is this. If God is leading you out of something, there's a reason. There's a reason, and it's a reason that you may not know. This is why it's so important about putting your faith in God, not in your own thought life. Because you can talk yourself out of the biggest blessing of your life. I can talk myself out of just about anything. And in the same body with the same mind, I can talk myself into just about anything. And I'm so thankful that my 20s did not have Facebook. Because... There would have been things on there that I talked myself into that I do not want to be in some digital library with a million likes on it. So what do I do? The courage to go. Well, do, do what he's telling you. What, what is he telling? I want you to think about this for just a moment. Because some of you are in a den and it feels so scary because the call is on your life to go and do and be and stretch yourself and get out of depression and get out of disappointment and break away from a lifestyle that you've become entrenched and entrapped in. And God is saying, listen, I got something new for you. I want you to start a new business. I want you to start that book. I want you to start college. I want you to start a family. I want you to start whatever it is that he is whispering to your heart. Some of you, you may be in the most unhealthy relationship right now. Rick Warren says this. He says, God sometimes removes a person from your life for your protection. Do not run after them. T.D. Jake says, if people are willing to walk out of your life, let them. The bottom line is this. Don't chase after another person and beg them to stay in your life. If they can walk away from you, let them walk. Sometimes going, when it's easier to stay, is courage. Third, this is a big one. The third face of courage, if you're in a lion's the end of the day, is the courage to ask for help when it's easier to pretend that everything's okay. The courage to ask for help when it's easier to pretend that everything is okay. We're great at this, aren't we? You really need to talk to somebody. You need somebody to pray with you. You got something going on. 
But for the sake of pride, we won't do it. For the sake of what somebody might think about you, we won't do it. But I will tell you this. People with secrets are dangerous people. All the way from Judas to modern politics. Secrets are dangerous. And many times we don't want to share our struggle because we are scared of what's below the surface of our own lives. We don't even want to address it. We're equally scared of public opinion if I talk to someone about this. So there's this beautiful, and I've, I've had a whole message about this before, about confession. And it says, if you confess, then you can be healed. Now, we always think about physical healing. But I'm talking about emotional healing, psychological healing. When I confess it, when I don't have to bear this alone, when I've shared it with somebody who loves me, I'm not talking about a safe place. I'm not talking about making an incredible Instagram post. I'm talking about a safe place to confess that healing can belong to you. And because of our fear of what somebody's going to think or our own fear of just letting the pressure off of that two-liter bottle that we've got stored in our chest, we will, we will not do it. We will hold on to that stuff because we're so antsy and embarrassed of what somebody might think about us. But being transparent empowers you. It fuels freedom. It adds years to your life. Here's the deal. You don't need to tell everyone your struggle. Okay, The Bible even tells you that a fool will share his whole heart. You don't need to tell everyone, but you do need to tell someone. It takes a lot of courage to go to somebody who loves you and disclose something in your life that you need help with. Let me apply this quickly. What do I do if I'm in the lion's den right now? Maintain your integrity. Don't lose yourself. Maintain integrity. When you find yourself in the lion's den, and you will, do not blame others, do not blame God. When the plan has a hiccup, survive it, maintain your integrity, maintain who you are. Do not lose your mind, do not lose yourself over a lion's den. Because the good news is this, every den, every den has, has an expiration date. It will end. If you're in a lion's den this morning, guess what? You will come out. If you're in a place right now of depression and disappointment, you will come out. It will end. It will cease. It will stop. It's the same symbolism and cycle spiritually as a, as a storm. It may be dark for the night, but joy is going to come in the morning. It may be a hard season. You may shed hot tears. But it will end. And joy will come to you. Strength will come to you. You want to be able to look back and say, in that suffering, I did it well. I did it with integrity. I didn't lie to anybody. 
I didn't get mad at anybody. I didn't project blame onto anybody. I maintained integrity. Second is this. You need to pray for discernment and then use it. Pray to God. Tell me what to do. Give me wisdom and then implement it. Do it. Do what he says. Follow the peace. Colossians tells us to let the peace of God rule your heart. When, when you feel your entire heart just bathed in peace, follow it. But if stepping out and doing something turns your stomach, makes your spirit antsy, you start to lose sleep at night, you're battling it out, you need to keep praying. Don't make a move on that. Let the peace of God come and then follow it. And then even if it doesn't make sense here, you can do it with courage because you know you've, you've heard from God on it. And third, and I'll end with this. Third thing we got to do when we're in the lion's den is be intentional about our personal archaeology. Okay, Be intentional about our personal archaeology. Meaning this, what are you finding in there? Pressure reveals who you are. It will reveal the person you are and the level of faith that, that, that you have. Easy to serve God when you're on, on easy street. But when you're in a den of lions, are you still, are you still praying like Daniel did? Be intentional. You may think there's a lot wrong with you, but there is a lot right with you too. There is a lot right with you. So David said, Kevin, how, how do I have personal archaeology? David said in Psalm 139, he says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offense in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's personal archaeology. When we're going to God and saying, listen, this is a bad time for me, but search me. Know me. Is there offense in me? What am I anxious about? God, feel free to look around, raise every window, turn all the lights on, open every closet door in my heart, and look around. Know me. What am I anxious about? What am I offended about? That's personal archaeology. You can come out of a den of lions in your life and be better than when you went in. It's true. You can use this season to not only survive, but thrive. To come out with so much strength and new perspective and renewed hope and faith in the, what, what your life is supposed to be like. If you'll do your personal archaeology, search me, know me, look at my anxiety, am I offended? And lead me in your way. Amen? Why don't you bow your heads with me for just, just a moment this morning? I want to ask a simple question. Kevin, I'm here today, 
And right now, in this moment, presently, in this church, right now, as I sit, I'm in a lion's den. And it may be ugly, and it may be scary, and it may be full of question marks. It may be full of depression. It may be the result of your own decision making, but you're there. And you need encouragement this morning. You need to hear from God. You need a word. You need peace to flood your heart. You need an answer. You need direction and resolve. You just simply say, Kevin, that's me. I just want you to lift, lift your hand. That's all. I'm just going to pray with you. I just want you to lift your hand just to acknowledge that you're there. Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. All across the building. Come on, I'm going to wait on you. Anybody else? Yeah, amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lots of us, lots of us. God, right now in this place, we ask you to come in the form of peace. You fill hearts with peace today. God, if you give me peace, I can make it. If you'll flood my heart with peace, I can keep integrity. God, if you'll just give me peace, I'll lay down in this lion's den and go to sleep. I'll rest. Though I make my bed in hell, your presence can be there. We ask you for the peace of God today. And we wait right here in this moment for it. We just wait a minute. You just minister right now. Come into every lion's den in this room and just give peace. We're going to make it. It's going to end. We're going to come out of this. We're going to be better. We're going to have fresh perspective. We're going to have a heart full of faith. We're not going to come out angry. We're not going to come out bitter. We're not going to come out wondering. But we're going to come out with full identity in Christ. Peace of God. Peace of God. Come on, if that's you, just receive that today. Just receive the peace of the Lord right there where you're sitting. Just let the Lord minister to your heart and mind right there. Some of you feel like you're going crazy. You've told yourself this week, I'm losing it. I'm going crazy. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're just in a lion's den. Peace of God be on you. In Jesus' name, peace of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Come on, I'm not dragging it out. I just, I just feel like the Lord's ministering to you right now. Let's just receive of that. God, we drink from your cup today. We drink from your cup. There's a balm in Gilead. 
Lord, by your stripes, we're healed today. We're coming to every lion's den this morning, every lion's den. Bring calmness, bring peace. Soothe every mind. Speak to every storm in the heart today, Father. Calmness, calmness. Thank you, Father. If we can, let's stand all across this building together. If you'll follow me on this, I'd love that. But can we just lift our hands together in this room today? I know some of you weren't raised that way, and that's fine. I respect that. But if you can do it today, would you do that with me? Would you just lift your hands all across the building? Father, we just worship you right now. We give you thanks. We give you thanks for what you're trying to teach us. We give you thanks for the way you lead us, for the way you love us, for the way you're protecting us from the mouth of every lion. You love us unconditionally. You were here. You never left. You'll never forsake. Closer than a brother. A breath away. With us through every valley. And we lift up the name of Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus. As a body. As a unified body of believers. We lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, let's be in unity for just, just a moment. Just, just a moment. Forget about the week ahead. Forget about the week behind. Let's just be in unity right now. Lord, we love you. We love you. We lift you up together. Together.